Okay. Hello. This is Lenny D'Angelo. Um, uh, talking today, continuing uh, in my uh, exploration here of uh, observational drawing and how observational drawing can feed in and inform and develop a, uh, an inventive drawing process. So we're, 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 got, we're moving from observation to invention. That's the whole goal. It's always been a goal. Uh, right. And unfortunately, what one can't do is bypass the, uh, the tedium of often a drawing from observation. There's no bypass. If you're looking for shortcuts, well, good luck with that. Now, I think that plenty of people who do inventive drawing have taken shortcuts. Uh, but often it shows. Uh, they don't have a great grasp when somebody's, uh, look at this guy. I gotta describe this. This somebody parked on a, on a, right, the street curves around. We got a lot of those out here. And it's somebody parked on a corner, like where it curves, and at an angle so that their butt is sticking out into the road. And that's a parking job that they've done. It's a sports car, too. Well, there's parking issues here, but seriously, that's a, that's a thing. Okay. <clears throat> I have found that the very first, first thing you need to do when you start a drawing from observation is find an area on your paper that you're going to be working within. That's number one. I've talked about this. Basically setting yourself up with a composition. Now, composition aside, the exercise is as simple as giving yourself a small margin around the edges of your paper and deciding that you're not going to let your drawing slip outside of that space. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be about uh, creating a, a beautiful composition. It can often just be very practical composition which is, I'm in a figure drawing class, I don't want my feet to go off the bottom of the paper there. Perfectly valid. You could be more creative than that, but in the beginning, that's really all this is about. Giving yourself a margin so that you can capture everything that you're trying to capture, the grouping, the subject, uh, in a way that it, that it doesn't uh, get away from you. you are, you're controlling, basically, where it sits on your page. What a, a great way to try this exercise without a lot of pressure, right? Is to draw very small on a very large piece of paper. Here's what I mean. You take a large piece of paper, you give yourself the upper corner. Just, just draw a small little, very lightly, by the way, very lightly. In fact, you only need like a line or two to define this area. You draw a very little rectangle up in the, up in the right corner of your page. But give it a little margin from the edge, right? Low margin on the top, low margin on the left. Uh, what did I say? Was it right or the left? Let's say it's the upper left of the page. You give yourself a margin top and left, and you just draw sort of a little, little, little marking that, that indicates a top and a bottom of it, of the space you want to work in. Okay. Then you take a measurement, and you do that, of course, I've, I've mentioned, by holding your tool out in front of you, you're drawing tool, and they're uh, using your thumb and, uh, and the tip of the tool to, to sort of 
see how wide the grouping is and see if you can guess a midpoint. And as soon as you guess a midpoint, you move your thumb to what you think the midpoint is and you move the tip of the tool over to that midpoint and your thumb is supposed to go to the other end, the other edge. So from left to right, you're putting the tip of the tool on the left side of the object or the grouping. You're putting your thumb sort of in a middle place that you think on the grouping exists. And then you move the tool so that the tip is pointing to that or tip is lined up with that middle point. And your thumb now is lined up with the right edge of the uh, grouping. If that isn't accurate, you try it again. You do the thing again. You move it back to the left, tip of the tool on the... Uh, left edge of the object thumb somewhere else not don't do it the same way twice if it didn't work the first time and then you just keep going you try it out once you find a middle point you shoot out from your eyeballs a laser beam or you find a landmark sometimes there ain't no landmark but if there's a landmark it's easy you know a little lump a little dent a little thing a little, a little coloration a little something gives you a little indication here where the center point is you go back to your page. Now you've got this little uh, area that you marked out on a page. Use your fingers to find the center point horizontally of that area as well. That's not hard. Once you find the center point of that, you sort of do a, a comparison exercise. Right? I've got a halfway point in real space established. I've got a halfway point in drawn space established. So how can I sort of work out how to draw at least the horizontal measurement onto the page so that it kind of works out? All right, it is hard to describe that with words. It ain't very easy. The point of that exercise being to make a pass on the drawing space. One pass. That's it. Just make a pass. It's a, it's basically a mapping. I'm calling it mapping. I don't know. I've heard it called envelope. I've heard it called lots of things. But I, I consider it sort of a very 2D geometric sort of, here's a small line here that indicates an edge. Here's a small line here that indicates a middle point. Here's a small line here that indicates another edge. You're not actually drawing anything at this point. It doesn't look like anything. It's just to give you some reference. It's guidelines. Guidelines. Once you've done that horizontally, you do vertically. You find that middle point in real space. You transfer that to the drawing. You find a middle point in drawn space. And you sort of work out a guideline. A lot of a lot of what you're going to do at this point is a little bit of eyeballing, but also a little bit of measurement, all right? So you've done that. you found middle points. You're not going to be lost when you start drawing. You've already started. That's a one, 2D pass, a mapping pass. Phase what? Phase A. Phase B, you go back in and you get some of the details of the object or the groping. A little bit more of the details, right? So that some of the other objects within the grouping are also mapped out for you. You start it out. You 
took a pass. You got an area on your page all cleared up. Second pass, you move into a little bit of the detail, a little bit of the individual objects in the larger grouping, okay? Third pass, some angles, some angles. Here's how you measure angles. What a, a geometric object or, or a, an inorganic object, there are going to be straight lines, usually. Usually, if there are no straight lines, this ain't working. But usually there are some straight lines. And even with a human figure, there are some semi-straight lines. They're very close. Those lines have angles. It is unlikely that you're staring at something that goes perfectly vertical and perfectly horizontal. That's very abstract. The human eyes don't work that way, especially with a three-dimensional uh, 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 rectangular prism or something like that, like a box. It, I've used the box over and over again. That's my analogy here. There are angles there. You don't have to know how that works yet, but you got to be able to observe it. So what do you do? You take your tool out in front of you, as before, and you hold it sideways this time. Sideways. Try that. Let's get the angles that run uh, semi-horizontally, diagonally first, right? The ones that run from left to right, predominantly left to right, okay? You hold your pencil or your drawing implement out in front of you there, straight ahead as if it were a, a balanced beam, as if you were taking a level in construction. Does that help? Start with a perfect horizontal, right? Hold it in front of you. Remember, your elbow is locked. Hold it in front of you, perfectly horizontal. And then line it up with the angle that you see. Is the angle that you see perfectly horizontal? I'm guessing it's not. And if it's not, the next exercise would be to tilt the drawing implement either to the left or to the right. Tilt, what is that, up or down? I don't know, those are hard when you're doing with the, with the horizontal thing. So either the, the left tip of the implement goes up and the right tip goes down, you know how that works. Like a scale, like the scales of justice. They're always tipped in the favor of the courts. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna it's, a, it's a neutral. Perfect neutral is perfect horizontal. Tipping left side down, right side up. Tipping right side down, left side up. Which is it? Get your angle measurement. Line it up so that you can see it in your viewfinder. Right? Right in front of you. When it's lined up, here's the perfect thing. Here's an awesome thing about angles versus measuring. The angle measurement that you're taking transfers directly to the paper there. What, 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 you say? It transfers directly to the paper there. If you can hold that tool still and keep that angle measurement, you can put it right on the paper surface and draw a small mark. Right on the paper surface and draw a small mark. At that angle. It's hard to describe with words, I admit. This is a weakness of the theater of the mind. 
But you have to imagine, I guess, that you're holding a very long stick out in front of you. Let's say it's a yard stick. My mother had a sewing shop. Briefly. Because she ain't no business person here. And there were a lot of yard sticks laying around. I don't know. I got used to them. Maybe not everybody has access to a yard stick. Imagine whatever you're comfortable with in your life there. Uh, perhaps it's a dowel. A wooden dowel. Hmm? I don't know. The kind that goes in a bird cage. My buddy Bebo likes to sit on a dowel. Uh, perhaps it's a, uh, a fork because you love eating. But forks aren't very straight. That's not a good one. Perhaps it's a... Uh, look, I don't friggin' know. We could do this all day. A toilet paper tube. Only, uh, okay. A gift wrap tube. I don't know. Something straight that you can hold in your hand. Then you're sort of tipping it left or right so that it angles. That angle measurement... If you could hold that angle measurement from what you observe in real life, from lining it up with an actual angle in real life, if you could just hold that angle perfectly in place and slip a piece of paper behind it, you could draw a mark along that straight edge surface, and it would be exactly the same angle that you see in real life. That's the beauty of this particular exercise. Angles are good. All right. Taking angle measurements is important because it comes up later with perspective drawing, with linear perspective. I think I've covered ground like this before. I'm, I'm starting to ramble. So you take your, your, your half measurements, your midpoints, so that you can get started on the page and at least have the outside edge of the thing drawn in, in a semi-accurate way. Then you take some inside measurements. And you can do this just by comparative measure. That's, an, uh, that's the last thing. So there are three parts to this. There's finding midpoints. There's doing, taking angle measurements. And then there's comparative measurements. Comparative measurements give you all the detail inside. All the detail inside of a larger shape. So if you've got a mass of, let's say, six boxes that are all stacked which, whichever way, the overall effect that that is kind of like a silhouette. It creates one big shape. But with it, it's made up of, composed of, smaller shapes. All you need to do to get the midpoints to get started on a page is to get that overall shape, that big silhouette. And you do that by finding midpoints horizontally, vertically, when you start to look at the individual objects as, as individual units that compose the larger specs, you got to start taking angle measurements and you got to start using comparative measure. And comparative measure is important because it allows you to draw something in relation to something else. You're not just guessing. It is a little bit of guesswork, but it's based on something. Same exercise with the tool to take the midpoints, only this time you're taking maybe smaller measurements. You're measuring the width of the box that you see with the height of the box that you see, for example. Are they the same or are they different? You're measuring the width of box A with the height of box B. Maybe they're a different size box, but maybe the height of box 1A is, is the same as the width of box B. Maybe it's not. You keep hunting, basically. 
You keep hunting for similarities when you're taking your measurements. Now, the big question is, how do you transfer the measurements from real space into drawn space? Here's the key with that. you got to take two measurements. One measurement you take from real space, from observed space. The second measurement you take from your drawn space. Because the drawing is all obviously not uh, directly uh, uh, 100% scale when you're drawing it. It could be. You draw big enough or, you, or you're uh, looking at a subject from far enough away. It could be exactly the same scale. <clears throat> but uh, most often it's not. So what you have to do is measure in real space, find another object in the composition that has the same measure as the first thing that you took a measurement of, so that you can compare the two. Then you go back to your drawn space, and you take a new measurement of the thing that you've drawn with the second thing you're going to draw, and make sure that those two measurements are the same. So really, it's taking a series of two measurements and doing a relationship, a ratio here. Ratio of real space to ratio of drawn space. And this part is going to be impossible to describe with words. I have a feeling this is not working at all. Uh, But that's how it's done. Comparative measurement angles, right? And, uh, and uh, finding middle points, midpoints. Um, it's tough, tough to describe this. Important to understand that when you draw from observation. There are basically two ways to do this. And when you watch someone who's an expert draw from observation, they probably aren't doing this measuring thing uh, as noticeably as you will have to as a beginner. They're probably doing a lot of it in their mind because they've gotten used to putting that laser beam out from their eyeball and and imagining. Um, Or they're doing it really rough or they're taking guesses because they've done it so many times from observation and they've done the measuring exercises so many times that at some point it sinks in. At some point it becomes part of your uh, vernacular there and you're able to do it without any... uh, any hard, uh, 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 any uh, like strict rules about how you have to do it. But when you're starting out, you will really be doing yourself a disservice if you don't try this exercise and, and really do it over and over and over again. And there's no way around, there's no shortcut around the painful part of this. This is really hard stuff. It's, it's painful, it can be painful, boring, I guess, tedium. For someone who is not uh, either used to or uh, patient with this kind of exercise, it can be tedious, it can be painful, I guess. The benefits outweigh all of that, of course, but uh, but, uh, it's hard to convince someone who ain't patient to be patient when honestly it's like, uh, it's exactly like going to the gym and I think it takes the same sort of mindset. It's like, eventually, look, you're going to be yoked, bro, but uh, you're going to have to lift these weights like uh, a thousand and five times. And I don't know what to tell you, because everybody who lifts the weights a thousand and five times, they get yoked, bro. 
but if you ain't willing to lift the weights a thousand and five times, and you're like, well, there gotta be another way to get yoked. Uh, yes, and it's called steroids. Drawing, I don't think, has a, a steroid equivalent. Is there one? Is there one? But it ain't, it's not good for you overall, and eventually... All I want you to know about being a beginner drawer is uh, that you need to be able to do all of these exercises with your mind. You need to be able to to do uh, the Google SketchUp of a, of a chair, a 3D model of a chair, but you need to be able to do it in your mind. Because there ain't no other way. It ain't practical to be using Google SketchUp all the time. It ain't practical, and it's it's, it's, a, it's a bit, you're cheating yourself out of uh, some of the visionary qualities that you could be developing within your own brain. Our brains are in, amazing inventions. Can you you imagine this? Thousands and thousands of years ago, people were doing this stuff. Well, okay, not thousands. <laughs> thousands. One thousand years ago. Really? What am I doing? I'm not good at math. I don't know, hundreds of years ago, people invented this and used it with efficiency. Some of the most amazing building projects in the world were designed with no computers. Yes, we've gotten them taller and gaudier, but they're not as good. The largest domes in history were built with no computers, with, with, with a paper, barely paper, really. So you we think about that, what the mind is capable of. Rotating things in 3D space and drawing things and measuring and all of that stuff. It's built into what we do. It's part of us. The thing is, you got to scrape it from the muck or whatever. You got to dig for it. It's mined. And that mining is a lot of digging and a lot of hard work. And there ain't no way around that. You can't get there. But that's what fracking is. Let's frack it. Look, the fracking mentality won't get you very far. So unfortunately, these exercises are important and they take a lot of patience. And building patience also takes patience. That's a horrible irony of many parts of life. Anyway, I rambled on enough. All right, this is Lady Angelo. Ah.